Hey friends, this is Jessica Levity Day Lover, reminding you that you are not alone on the polyamorous path. If you're looking for peer support or coaching on your non-monogamous journey, and you want to work with the day lovers, head to remodeledlove.com and book with us today. I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. Remodeled is a project whose goal is to expand the cultural narrative on healthy relationships in order to include ethical non-monogamy, non-partnered, asexual, open, and more. We are here to redefine love. I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of Remodeled. I'm Ms. Daylover in Dream Life Studio with the love of my life, Mr. Daylover. Howdy. <laughs> and guest hosting with us today again, J.D. Montalongo of Your Fave Bad Movie, the podcast. Hi, that's me. We didn't in episode one plug your podcast. You want to do that? I'm it was sorry. about me, um, but now this one is. Hi, um, I love film. I am a filmmaker and a writer, and it's very exciting. And I have a podcast where we talk about bad movies that we happen to love because I grew up on a lot of them, and I hope to make your fave bad movie one day. It's such a great podcast. It's so funny. Even movies that I have no idea what you're talking about, the podcast is still enjoyable to listen to. And it's short and sweet, and your personality just shines through. That's all I go for. Because I'm like, listen, we have a brief amount of time to try to convince you why Batman and Robin is a movie to be worth watching. So I need to cram as much good intentions in there to maybe convince you to give it another shot. So the reason that we have JD guest hosting with us, like I said in episode one, you're one of my favorite interviewers but also for these first few episodes joe and i wanted to tell our polyamory story and i wanted you to help weave that narrative with us and bring it out so it's not just us talking at each other and i think that happened in episode one (laughs) so thank you and now that our story is told we really want to hand it off to you to take us on a deeper journey of what do you want to know what do you think listeners want to know more of Next episode will be a Q&A where we actually take listener questions and dive in, but kind of getting in front of that after hearing our story of how we became polyamorous, what do you want to know more of? Um, I have a thousand different questions, but I do want to start with, I think, one that could help most people entering into a polyamorous relationship or experimenting with polyamory is the the agreements that you talked about earlier. How, How did you set up the agreements for your relationship and what that means to introduce other people to those agreements. As far as like what our rules and boundaries were? Correct. That's a great question. And if you're listening to this and you're new to the polyam journey or you're considering it or you just want to learn, I cannot emphasize enough, you need culture. You cannot. We are lucky to have figured that shit out on our own. Mm-hmm. You are. We are very lucky. And a huge piece of that was how much reading I did. And so... There is no one way to be polyamorous. It's choose your own poly. Everyone makes up what works for them. And so one of the only ways to do that is to read what other people are doing and see what works for you. To some extent, when it comes to identity, you know who you are on the inside and you don't need to read anything else. 
that's 50%. The other 50%, you need to understand what is out there and what's happening. So if you're listening to this, I do want to dive into this question, but I cannot emphasize enough. My favorite polyamorous resource is Reddit Polyamory. So if you're not familiar with Reddit, it's considered the front page of the internet. There is a subreddit for everything. Polyamory is a subreddit on Reddit in which it's updated every single day with success stories, questions, problems, people seeking advice. Every single day you can log on to Reddit Polyamory and read about something. And I think Sundays are days that people post little vignettes of successful moments in their lives and those were crucial to me in figuring out the answer to the question you just asked. On Sundays you'll read these little vignettes of like I'm baking cookies while my husband and my boyfriend are playing video games and that's the whole post. It doesn't go into more than that. That That's just it. It's these snippets of what people are doing and it's reading things like that that makes you go I don't think I would ever want my boyfriend and my husband to play video games mm-hmm. or oh my god dream life Mm -hmm. so how did we figure out it was a journey and it was a lot of journey of no 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 i don't want that okay i want that um i honestly don't remember i want to think that we would communicate about it just like anything else but in the early days of our polyam we lacked communication on certain fronts or weren't able to clearly establish those boundaries and so it was kind of touch and go at least that's what my spotty memory is telling me at the moment i have a slightly different memory (laughs) and we just want to be totally honest with you all always and if honest if the honest answer is i don't know or i don't remember then that's what it is or if i throw something else out and joe's like no fuck you you just made that up then great we'll figure it out my memory is walking on eggshells and your request was to not talk about it very much you again you thought that i discussed it too much and that i constantly wanted to have conversations and and it was annoying to you that part i do remember of i remember feeling as though i had become like a girlfriend of yours that you were sharing details of Mm. your dates about and i didn't like that it felt inappropriate and i i just didn't want to meet you in that space and I was sad because I did. I wanted a husband who was like, I want to hear everything. And also, I was that person. Right. And so. So you were it, holding Joe to the same standard that you kind of wanted for yourself. Not holding him to the standard, but just assuming. Gotcha. And then being like, no. And then the boundary would be drawn because it would be crossed mm-hmm. and be like, oh, no, I don't like that. And so it was a time of a lot of let's assume a lot of modesty so let's assume i don't want to know things i don't want to meet people and i don't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. um but not in a way where i want you to hide things because there are some i wouldn't call them polyamorous i would probably just call them non-monogamous or i don't even know at this point but there is a category of couple who are really not comfortable exploring and so their deal with each other is You can go do whatever you want and I'll go do whatever I want and we do not talk about it. Right. We were never that. We definitely knew what was going on and there was consent. Sorry, I'm pregnant and when I talk passionately, I get really out of breath. (laughs) (laughs) I was like hosting a live game show for a client over Zoom the other day and I had to stop the show and be like, you guys, I'm so sorry, but I am going to pass out. (laughs) I'm seven and a half months pregnant. Um, So early on... I just was very 
poly 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 like i just was a hundred percent there Mm -hmm. there was probably no boundary that i would have drawn for myself not saying i'm better i just am very ah. and he at the time was very reserved Mm -hmm. on top of being already reserved in general as a human being yeah and on top of me being not at all so what are some of the roles that you guys have when entering these relationships or when hooking up with other people? What is what is, what are the roles that you guys have set up to be able to protect yourselves and your relationship? Gosh, and these and you, these rules have evolved over time. Like for example, we used to have a rule that if you were about to have an unplanned sexual encounter like as opposed to I'm going on the date and I know we're going to have sex and I've talked about it with my partner ahead of time and I have all the consent. Like if you met someone or you had a date that you didn't think was going to turn sexual and then it did, we used to have a rule that you had to call, like excuse yourself from the interaction and call the other person and ask for consent live in real time before engaging any further. And I think that provided us a sense of maybe control. We probably thought of it at the time as giving us a sense of safety, but I think really it was a sense of control. Um, And that's an example of a rule that doesn't exist anymore and has evolved over time. Now we're in the place where I think we're both like, I trust you to make any decision that you want. So if you feel like moving forward, with a sexual interaction, I just trust that that's the right thing to do. And you don't need to call me and ask me for consent to do it. And also, I think, to be honest with you, there's an element of, I want that freedom for myself. I don't want to have to call you and ask for consent. And so therefore, I don't want you to have to call me. And honestly, I think the motivation for that rule evolving comes from both of those places. I remember going through a phase where something would be a rule and I remember thinking yeah until he wants that and Mm. then sure enough and no judgment that Mm. is what happened for a lot of this shit I would want it he wouldn't we would err on the side of obviously not Mm. and then something would happen to him where he'd be like well actually (laughs) (laughs) and then and then it would evolve right and that's probably the healthy way to be I think so what are our rules now we don't really have rules now we require a lot of communication now via planning because we have a child Mm -hmm. and so back in the day it was just like hey I met this guy on tinder we're gonna go out to the 1864 on Saturday okay cool have fun that was like pre-kids now it's like hey can I right are you cool to like stay home our rules now are all around sex. So we have three rules and that's it. Is that what you're asking? Yes, please. Um, so the first rule is condoms, always condoms. Mm-hmm. Right. Two, if you want to engage in oral sex, if you want to give oral sex, that person has to present recent STI screening results mm-hmm. to you. So not like, oh, I was tested six months ago. No. You met me, you like me, you go get tested again. And that just needs to be a part of the fucking culture anyway. The fact, it is only poly men. I have dated three poly men. I've dated a lot of people since we've been poly. Only three have been polyam men. They're the only ones that when I go, I'm going to need you to get tested if you want to, if you want me to give you oral sex, they go, yeah, okay. That, yeah, we have that same rule. Which, what is that culture that's like, no, that's weird. Like, you should know what my 
what I may have going on. Like, you're going to be inside of me, bro. Like, no, I need to know what is going on with your situation. You know what I get a lot is, well, I've been monogamous. So? You've been monogamous four times. That's four partners. Right. Like, just none of it's logical. I don't get it. It's really gross. And it's a fucking turnoff. And to be honest with you, it's kind of a litmus test. Mm -hmm. So when I say I'm going to need a recent STI screening from you and they... Like, I want it to be romantic. I want you to be like, great, can't wait. I'll call Monday. Mm. And then I want you to screenshot me, STI test, like when you book it and you just screenshot it to me, look what's happening Thursday and you send me your little calendar thing. <laughs> That's romantic. And it shows respect. If you are like, ugh, I guess. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. And number three is um, due to the great condom break tragedy of 2016 with a partner um you have to pull out upon ejaculation if that person is not vasectomied or Mm -hmm. is fertile at all and joe is and most of my partners have been and so even with condoms you do have to pull out because um i hate plan b right i have taken it i took it twice in college and probably twice as like in a grown-ass adult that shit is not pleasant the fact that like conservative christians think that us vagina bearing people use plan b for fun so that we can have all this promiscuous sex is fucking crazy because that shit is poison life-saving but it's not great it's not fun and i don't want to do it ever because it fucks me up so bad so instead of having to worry about that we just pull out i would also add there is i wouldn't call it a fourth rule but maybe an asterisk if you will (laughs) is is that we we do reserve the right to say that we don't trust this other person or we don't trust you inside of this relationship to act I don't want to say right, and I don't want to say objectively, but I don't know quite the right word to throw in there. But with this person, I, I don't trust the situation, and so I'm going to need you to stop dating them. And in certain situations, you can't have communication with them. Like, you can't even, because it's so toxic, mm-hmm. you cannot talk to them. And I would like to add at this point that this is something that's been used not just in sexual relationships, but with friendships as well. You can't have this person in your life because they are toxic and you compromise your boundaries when you're around them. So I am going to have to step in and say no. And we, we, and it's not pulled often. It doesn't come up a lot, but it is there for both of our protection. And if she pulled it on me, I would trust her to know better than me. Because when you are falling for someone and it's fiery and passionate, you, you cannot see it for really what it is it's a it you're on a drug yeah end of story and it's actually really nice to have a partner who's like helping hold that grounding for you this is a great example of a rule that's evolved so early on maybe in a more insecure poly place where poly newbies and i do want to say another thing i've learned the correct shortage abbreviation of polyamory is polyam because the polynesian community has requested that we stop using poly because that's theirs Thank you for letting me know that. Yeah. And so when you hear me trying to say polyam or I'm correcting myself after saying poly, that is why. So that is the um, ethical thing to do is to honor that request of that community. So um, maybe when we were new in the polyam community, we had a rule called the Nix rule where you could Nix pull the Nix card mm-hmm. on someone else's 
lover. Like, I want to date this person. Mm, Nix. <laughs> and it's supposed to be end of story, no questions asked. It creeps me out because that rule could be seriously abused. Right. Um, simply because that person is triggered, insecure, jealous. That never happened to us. We never abused our Nix abilities. It's dangerous territory. It's admittedly. really dangerous. Um, and I was scared of it. When he brought up that he demanded that we have this Nick's rule, I was terrified that he was just going to use it willy-nilly for a reason that wasn't legit. Um, And he's so pure, and I'm so pure, I think, that that never happened. I would caution anyone listening to this that they're like, we want to like venture into polyam, but we need this Nick's rule to feel better. Just disclaimer that you better have some deep trust and communication or at least if you are going to pull the next card on some bullshit be able to say it right have that conversation yeah. as opposed to just this is what i said and that's how it's going to go be, be able to be like i need you to not date them because they make me insecure and i that's it and i would add that the only time it's been used and it's been used very 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 sparingly the only time that it's been used has been after experience with and that it was used on. Yeah. And so it had been allowed to run its course. It wasn't pulled ever preemptively. Gotcha. So then that takes me on to another question that I do have. How did you decide to be a polyam couple that actually meets with your partner's other lovers as opposed to just keeping that, like keeping your two individual worlds separate? How is it that you decided that, oh, I am going to meet Joe's girlfriend or I am going to meet whoever Jess is dating? Reading Reddit. And reading those sweet little moments. And I was like, that is so beautiful to me. That's what I want. And I knew I wanted it for him. Like, so if he was dating something, somebody, I I knew that I wanted to meet them. Mm-hmm. I was sort of indifferent. And I don't know if this is a technical term, um, but one of my friends calls them spokes. So her and her husband, mostly their polyamory is mostly um, something called a triad where they bring in a third to their marriage and they both date that woman equally. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, She has a romantic relationship with her and he does. And then the three of them together are like a thruple and they don't do what's called spokes. Like, and I imagine when she says that, like spokes of a wheel. So Joe and I pretty much only do spokes. I think we're open probably to like a thruple situation. It's just not really who we are with the exception of like we've played around and had some fun. Um, it's never really been that way. Although there was like, eh, anyway, there was like a couple that we felt kind of foursome with. Like it almost was like two polyam couples who had a really cute thing and we spent a lot of time together and we had a lot of sex together and it was short lived. So I don't want to say we never did it. 95% of our polyam experience is spokes. And some of it was like people that he never met and it wasn't a thing. It wasn't like, I don't want to meet him. It was just like, he lives in Truckee. I go see him once a week. Right. He's never here. And again, by this point, we're just in cruise control. And it wasn't really a thing. But I knew from day one that I wanted to be that polyam couple that was like, oh, nice to meet you. And your partner's partner, who you have no relationship with, like romantic, is called your metamor. And... When I see cute metamor relationships, I think it is the fucking cutest thing in the whole fucking world. And it changes you. It rewrites the script. It completely rewrites the script. And so 
I love having a metamor that I adore and I love it when Joe has a metamor. All of my partners, most of them have become like brothers to mm. Joe and it's so cute. They like end up loving each other in a really brotherly way. My current boyfriend, they first bonded over their love of compost and the first time they ever met was because my boyfriend came over to borrow a compost bin <laughs> and then Joe took him on a tour of his compost and I can't imagine it's just so casual now the question almost doesn't even make sense it'd be like a friend from work like why wouldn't Joe meet my friend from work mm-hmm. that that's how it is to me but some people are like oh I cannot I can't imagine ever meeting my husband's girlfriend and I'm like oh okay I mean there's no one right way right did that answer your question? It did. It did, in fact. Um, and I... Is it a follow-up question or an adjacent question? Um, given that you are married, is that something that you present to people while you're dating or while you're talking on apps or anything, like right away? Is there something that you wait to kind of drop on someone? What is that experience like for the partners that you're seeing outside of your marriage? So I've only ever dated through dating apps. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of boyfriends. They've all, most of them have been fucking fantastic. And I have found that a lot of straight men don't read your profile. So one of my questions... <laughs> One of my questions after matching with someone is, did you actually read my profile? And points if they did. My dating app profile says, in an open marriage with a husband who sets the bar really high, good luck. So it's out there from the beginning. And people go, do you wear your ring on dates? And again, I don't want to make fun of anyone's question ever. Mm -hmm. But just to be honest with you, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, why wouldn't I? Yeah, like it's never occurred to me, and it would weird me out if someone didn't want me to wear it. Because, and and this is kind of how I feel about people who are like, I don't want to know my partner's partners. I want them to go do their own thing, but I don't want to know them. Right. I would have suspicions, and I am open to the fact that that's my bias, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I would have suspicions that they weren't actually secure mm-hmm. in their polyamory. But if that's what works for them. There's no one right way to do it. Joe can answer this question, but he doesn't date. <laughs> he's he's really only been with friends who already knew us. That's kind of my MO is, you know, I just end up dating my friends pretty much. Like I said, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to this thing. And I don't go in for the online dating. So I, w- I would say it's inaccurate to say that I don't date, but I don't pursue it the way that you do. And... Yeah, I'm upfront with the fact that I'm married and I, I'm pretty transparent when it comes to all of that. Nice, nice. You guys are so beautiful. Also, having a baby, what does that change for you? That's a super great question. And I think it's one a lot of people wonder about. And some people have the audacity to fucking ask it in really crude ways. And I think other people never get brave enough to ask it. So I do want to go there, JD. I do. But first, we're going to take a super short break, and then when we come back, I'm going to jump into it with as much honesty as possible. Okay, so your question before the short break was, how has a baby changed our polyamory? Um, ugh, just that's the priority. And this will be its own episode. People think that polyamory and parenting are mutually exclusive. And when I first conceived of this podcast two years ago, 
I wanted to call it Polyhood. Like that's the first name in the journal when I wrote down that I wanted to start this podcast. I called it Polyhood because I wanted to get rid of this notion that polyamory and parenthood could not go together because it fucking annoys. It's annoying to me. And again, I understand that to the person asking the question, it's a completely legitimate question. Right. To me, the question is asinine. I have no idea why someone would think that these things don't go together because again, somebody uh, recently on Instagram asked me, how do you introduce your kid to your partners? I'm like, how do I introduce my kid to my friend from work? It's not different, but somewhere in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, well, he puts it in your vagina. Mm -hmm. So that makes it different. And that's what it is. That is all that it is, is that they're thinking we have sex and therefore that makes it different. And for you, there is no difference. It's just, it's just, that other type of relationship that is would be like any other, even with the sex. I don't want to say there's no difference. It's just there doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. difference. I would say it's just a logistical difference, really, of it takes more planning and more thought. in, And we admittedly have less space to, yeah. to date and pursue. And sometimes we, both of us, you know, haven't gone on dates for months or for extended periods of time. And so that is a function of parenthood as well. When it comes to relationships, obviously trust reigns key, and so that it, it carries over when you become a parent. You know, anyone that that she likes, I, I trust her implicitly to bring that person into our space. The same would be true whether we have a kid or we don't have a kid. You know, I trust her to bring someone into the space that is that is going to contribute in a good way. That actually kind of brings me back to, so the Knicks, the Knicks rule is something that I would say has really evolved. And I wouldn't say it's non-existent now, but I would almost say it doesn't exist. Like, Joe would probably be like, no, I could still Nick someone if I wanted to, but it's just like, it's just not relevant. Right. Um, because I just don't, not only has my taste gotten better and my boundaries gotten firmer as I have healed on my journey, because like I said early on, I didn't love myself not why I'm poly people will be like so that's why you're a hoe because you didn't love yourself no those are fucking two different things okay right. I didn't love myself for a really long time no matter what my relationship model I know hella monogamous people who still don't love themselves yeah so. so fuck it yeah no um but I would so my my taste has gotten better but also we have gotten better at allowing the other one to make a mistake Mm-hmm. So it used to be, well, I'm going to pull the next card because you're about to get hurt. And now we're in a place where it's like, oh, okay, that's going to fuck your grill. Go ahead. And it's and it's okay. And we're so good and we're so solid that you can go do something kind of stupid and it will be okay. And, and in fact, it's probably better if you do it versus me stop you from doing it. I would definitely agree with all that. I would say that the next card probably needs a different name because when it's been used... The energy behind it is we know what this we know what this relationship this dynamic is it's not healthy it's not good we both recognize that and so therefore we can't have it and so I don't know what that new term would be but maybe that's maybe that's what we need is a different name have you used it on a boyfriend is it Chucky no but I have used it on a boyfriend can you give me a hint and maybe I'll edit this out I just don't remember oh Oh, yeah okay because there is like a hot second where you thought you wanted to date i'm like no you're not dating oh the second time yeah and somewhere in there you thought that you could date him again i'm like no Summer. that is not mm-hmm. going to work oh so hot he's rarely he's he's quite striking yeah. I, I i will say he's good and looking. so he did he pulled the next card and i was like mm. 
Well, and I would say it was pulled chiefly because I know that this person has triggered her on issues that are core to who mm. she is, and she would be compromising that in dating him, which is, I, I would, I would say, um, toxic. Even still now. Still now. Okay. I feel like in the future it might happen. But we're also... We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) But we're also... Well, because he's still growing and I'm still growing. Right. But we're also still just... To be clear, if the necessary changes were made, I would be happy for this person. And I would say that I think those changes have been made. Um, That's right. So he did pull. I totally forgot. I think a question that a lot of people would have, uh, especially experimenting with polyamory for the first time, that Jess, I've heard you say a thousand times, you're like, I don't even get this question anymore. But how do you deal with the jealousy? Is there jealousy? How do you cope with the jealousy? How do you help a partner through jealousy if it's the first time that you're kind of going through this? I find that it's really important to just be honest. And and we still get jealous. It's not something that you get rid of entirely as, as a, as a human being. I don't think you can get to a place of where you're never not jealous. I think that there are a lot of people out there who just naturally aren't and are very infrequently never jealous, but it still happens to us on occasion. And typically what we'll say is I'm feeling this way. I know it's not rational or the way that I want to feel, but that's how I feel. And so you kind of go from there. I think that, the key to being set free from the torture of jealousy is to understand that your partner is not responsible for the way that you're feeling whether it's jealousy or otherwise but because our culture is based in codependence so monog you can have codependent polyamorous relationships codependency and monogamy are not mutually inclusive i don't know if that's the right term but i do want to say there are some poly people who are just naturally not jealous. It is possible, but it's also possible to be an extremely jealous person and be polyamorous. Those aren't mutually exclusive. You just have to learn to take responsibility for your jealousy. One, that means communicating it and being honest with it, uh, being honest about it, like Joe said. Um, And it also means not blaming. So when we are triggered on jealousy, we move into a, a fearful place inside of ourselves and that's when our narcissistic side comes out. And so if you're jealous and you can't actually do the work at the moment that that happens, you're going to start playing games. And that's going to be when shit gets gnarly. In general, being jealous is not something that I try to avoid because I find that when you dig into it, there's really nothing underneath it. And if there is something underneath the jealousy, when you do dig into it, I have found that it is usually a mix of one or a mix of three things. One, it's either an old wound, like not being good enough or fearing loss that you can then heal, heal the wound and you're not jealous anymore. Two, it's an unmet need which I can then fix with my partner after I communicate communicate it, like the, the bicycle tire. Mm-hmm. You changed her bicycle tire. You didn't change mine. I'm feeling jealous. Oh, you're right. That is kind of like hypocritical and salty of me. I'll change your bike tires from now on too. You're right. Wow, boom, jealousy gone. Number three, and this is usually the biggest one. Usually I'm jealous because I'm unhappy with myself in some category of my life, whether that's body image or professionally. And so if I can actually hone in and focus on my own self-care and my own self-esteem, usually the jealousy goes away. So there's this belief in our codependent culture that 
I want my partner to act in a way to never trigger my jealousy rather than me fucking deal with the thing that causes the jealousy. But have you ever been at a point in your life where you are fit, you feel good, you feel strong, you feel sexy, your creativity's in flow, your professional's work is in flow, and you just feel good about yourself? nothing can fucking phase you. Right. So if I'm feeling jealous, it's probably because I'm like, haven't been taking care of myself. Yeah, you got to get right with yourself is probably the first order of business. If you're, well, first order would be communicating where you're at. Second order of business, get right with yourself. It's sometimes just communicating the jealousy and having a partner who isn't going to trigger that you're triggered. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like, I'm feeling jealous. Do you know why? No, I'm just, she's really fucking hot and I feel like I am feel gross about myself lately and I haven't been taking care of myself. Oh, well, I don't want, like, is there anything I can do versus like, well, don't be fucking jealous. Why don't you grow? Like if the person can just hear it. Right. A lot of times just saying it will move the energy. Like so I just needed to confess to you that I'm feeling jealous and then have you affirm me. Like, what do you need to hear? I need to hear that you're not going to leave me. Oh, babe, I'm not going to leave you. But do you like her? Yeah, I do. But you love me? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, let's go eat cookies. Like, I, I really, 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 I know people will be like, oh, that's emotional maturity. Sure. I do not understand our culture's need to, it's controlling. It's so gross to me, you guys. I try to be so delicate and <sighs> be like, oh, everyone can have any relationship they want. But to be honest with you, it's fucking gross. The way that a lot of monogamous people walk around expecting their partner to act in a way that does not make them feel jealous. That's insane to me. Well, it's a lot of that because it is proper conditioning that this is what you need to do, how you need to do it. You just try to hold on to that. So people really don't have, I guess, the space to grow from that as opposed to like challenging it and doing the unprogrammed and be like, what actually works for us? What? Well, an example I gave to someone who asked, like, we get asked this question all the time. And the example I gave the other day is like, let's say Joe sold a best-selling novel tomorrow. And for in this example, let's say that makes me jealous because I've always wanted to sell a best-selling novel. According to the way most relationships work in this metaphor, I would go, babe, I know that you really want to sell this best-selling novel, but I'm actually going to need you to not explore that. I'm going to need you to not explore this exciting possibility in your life because I'm feeling jealous. Right. Rather than me work through whatever the fuck is making me jealous that he was successful in something that was exciting to him, I actually asked him to just not go ahead and do that. And maybe someone listening to this is like, that metaphor's fucked. It doesn't apply. I'm sorry. I think that metaphor is on point and it makes no sense to me. That is so toxic. No, Jess, you need to look at why you would ask your partner to not do something that was an amazing opportunity for them because you were feeling shitty. Right. And if Joe were to continue along with that process, even after you were like, oh, I feel insecure about that. And I'm asking you not to say not to do it. If Joe were to do that, people would see Joe as selfish, which is also part of the problem. Because Joe was like, no, this is literally what I've been chasing, what I've been wanting to do. Why would I stop that? Because you're insecure about it. And in the book writing scenario, people would say, wow, she's really controlling. You guys need therapy. You need help because you're being controlled by your partner. I... That's super toxic, Joe. You need to get out of that marriage because I can't believe that she would ask you to not do, to not sell your butt. Right. As opposed to like actually get down to it. Why isn't it working? Why why does she present that to you? Work through it. Figure it out. And then you know how it goes is a year later, all of a sudden I have an opportunity to sell my book. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm going to go ahead and do that. 
I've grown since I've I told grown. you that. Now that it applies yeah. to me, now I want to play. Now I want to play the game. Now that the good fun thing is happening to me, I'm fine with it. But I don't want it happening to you. Well, and that's a realistic thing. I I really like the metaphor because that's a realistic thing for a lot of couples. Is in order for the relationship to function, you need to be happy for the success of your partner and and that includes when you're triggered on they might be more successful than you in their career or in their art or whatever they decide to do and so you have to work through that and I think that's ultimately why a lot of relationships end no matter what the model is is that one is more successful or is growing in a way that surpasses the other and the other for lack of a better phrasing can't keep up or doesn't want to try to meet them at that level of growth and i think one thing monogamous people gazing upon polyamory have and uh or new baby polyam people have is what if my partner is more successful in dating than i am mm-hmm. they're hotter they're whatever they're more outgoing okay one of you might be you could look at me and Joe because I'm so proactive in dating and I'm on dating apps and I date more frequently and have had more experiences um, with love, not just sex, but dating and, and everything than Joe. Like you could say like, oh, I have it more, but it, it if you're happy with yourself, it won't matter. And that's why I really encourage you find me on TikTok at Home Slice Productions or even look up Remodeled Love on YouTube because I'm releasing these short sketches, which is a whole nother way I'm seeping into your subconscious mind to expand this narrative for the culture. And I have a sketch of what I do when my husband's on a date and what he does when I'm on a date. They're both one minute. This is what went viral on TikTok was, was these two sketches because they're everyone said they're so relatable and they're so funny. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, people have this deep-seated fear of, well, wh- what do you do when your husband's on a date? Bitch, I get high. <laughs> I masturbate. I watch all of the shows that he doesn't want to watch. I read a book. I meditate. I fucking have time to myself. I don't understand. And and that's why the the layer under the question is, but I would be jealous the whole time they were out. I wouldn't be able to focus on anything else because I would only be wondering what they were doing, what they were up to. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way if you love yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're happy in your life, then you'd be like, bye, babe. Have fun. Tell her I said hi. Can't wait to catch up with you after and see how well your date went. Yeah. Plus, if you are wondering what your partner is doing while on a date, you lack imagination. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We always talk about we're always so much hornier when the other person's on a date because there's a part of you that's like, my my partner's getting fucking laid right now and that turns you on. Yeah. And you're like, I will we always find that the other person is hornier when the other person's on a date because it's just a part of you knows that they're getting laid. And I, you know, people always say it's different, Jess. It's different. It is not different to me. If you came to me and were like, I just met someone and I am in love, I'd be like, oh my God, I am so happy for you. Tell me everything. What's the sex like? Like, are you having fun? Oh, what are you feeling? Are you so in love? It is not different to me when Mm -hmm. my husband does it. Right. I don't. And maybe some of us have been sad in our lives where like our best friend falls in love and we get jealous even though they're not our partner. We're just jealous that someone has something we don't. But so sure. But that still comes back to you. You would not hold that against your friend. Right. You'd be happy for them. You would encourage them to do it. And even if you were jealous, you would encourage them to do it. Is there anything that is sacred specifically to your marriage that you kind of say your partner can't have that of you? 
Oh my gosh, that is such a common question. Thank you for bringing it up. I feel like people haven't asked it in a really long time. I cannot, if you are new to polyamory and you're listening to this, this is a message of hope. I promise you, if you do the work, it gets easier because I legit remember thinking he better not have a pet name with someone else. And I could not even care less about that right now. (laughs) But I remember people being like, what if they called someone else baby? Like, it just, no, I don't think there are things that are sacred because they are just who we are. So not sacred in the sense of you may not use this with someone else, but it wouldn't make sense to use it with someone else because it's ours. Like, does that make sense? It does, as opposed to setting up the rule that someone else can't have it. It just happens by default that someone else can't have it because it is something that you hold and it only works because it's our chemistry. Yeah. So it doesn't even apply. Like there's a way that I jump into bed that he thinks is adorable. And maybe in this example, you better not jump into bed like that for someone else. But it doesn't make I wouldn't. Right. Because it it's our cute thing. It I don't wouldn't even necessarily that other person might be like, What are you doing? <laughs> You're like, never mind, this was dumb. You're dumb. Yeah. Um Joe and I's love is very cute. It's very domestic. Like, I don't wear lingerie for Joe. I wear giant t-shirts and knee-high knitted socks Mm. and long johns. The longer, the better. He thinks me and long johns is the cutest thing in the world. It's not sexy, but he loves it. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't recreate that. (laughs) Right, especially with someone else who's not new to it, who's like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And so I always say love is infinite. And so if you're looking at like a a mathematical equation, X is unchanging. X is love. So if you're looking at a mathematical equation, X is love. It's unchanging. It's infinite, right? That Mm -hmm. cannot change. But what can change, the factor in this mathematical equation that can change is time. So I feel like in polyamory, any given relationship is X, love, unchanging. It's all one love plus time. Good luck catching up to me and Joe. I've been with this bitch for like 11 years. Yeah, 11. <laughs> We've been together for 11 years and we're very like, we spend a lot of time together because we both have had very, our entire relationship have had very unique work schedules. Um, part-time he teaches at a university so we are and we do all of our extracurriculars together so we are together a lot so good luck trying to find someone to replace that time so people are like but what if they love someone else more well the love is all one love it's all one energy time no way you're never catching up to this so good luck um how frequently do you check up on each other with everything not just the polyamorous side, but just where you are in life or how do you have those conversations with each other? You know, I appreciate this question. It's not relevant to us. And and I do, I really am not, like I really do appreciate that question because I think it would be relevant to a lot of people, but we are so together all the time mm-hmm. and so domesticated. This is my partner over here. There's nothing we would need to catch up on. We might, maybe when we're going through a breakup or something hard like that, we might be like, hey, where are you at with how you're feeling about this relationship? Or like, do you think about that person? Or but I would say we're never out of date. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we're, we're pretty communicative in general. And as a practice, I and she wants to know where I'm at and where she's at and how how each other's doing. And I do get a little more girly these days to use a sex stereotype of asking 
specific questions about how things are going and how she's feeling and all of that. This is who I go to when I need advice. Like I, I will say this is another kind of thing that has shifted from baby polyam to pro polyam or amateur to pro. Um, him not wanting to hear about it and so me needing to like go to my girlfriends for advice. Mm-hmm. This is now my go-to person. So not only are we each other's best wingman when trying to like land a cat but also like if i am confused going through something hard in a relationship questioning a relationship i am bouncing it off of this one right here and we're so honest with each other and we give each other such great advice and he knows me better than anyone else so it's like babe i think you're doing that thing where you're insecure and so you're projecting that insecurity onto this person and i actually think he's a really good guy and i think that you're pushing him away needlessly yeah or something like that it's the Honestly, everyone needs one of these things. (laughs) But I feel like this podcast is fun because it's causing us to like think about polyamory Mm -hmm. and we really don't anymore. Right. We are so, it is so just who we are. We do not try to be polyamorous anymore. The training wheels are off. It is just our lifestyle. There's not even anything hard that comes up anymore. So I hope that that is, I hope that gives people hope who are listening to this. I definitely think it does. As I said previously, your guys' love has been so inspiring and impactful in my own love life. It has helped me grow so much. And just because when you find love, true love, real love, and you work at it and make sure that it works for everybody, it bounces off of you. Mm-hmm. It like goes into the people around you. and Other people are able to find out how they want to be loved, one, and how they want to show their love for other people. And I'm very excited that you guys are doing this podcast because I think it's going to help out so many people. Even if people aren't interested in polyamory the rules that you guys have the lessons that you guys have learned are going to help people in monogamous relationships people who are single have those conversations with themselves so thank you guys for what you guys are doing yeah thank Thank you. you a lot of these um techniques that we've learned apply no matter monogamous or polyamory it's just about being uh, an independent person who is interested in your own self-growth and interested in loving the people around you regardless of what your commitments to each other are i think that's a good place to kind of wrap and i would just throw on top of that that any issues i experienced on this journey were more about my own core issues as a person than as a sexual being or than as a polyamorous person and i might not have had a had the opportunity to work on those and heal those things had we not been polyamorous. So there's this interesting kind of double bind there. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, check out your fave bad movie. That's you are your fave F A V E bad movie. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Listen to Joe Daniel. And I hope you'll come back and chat with us more. Cause it is super fun to have you in our throuple. Anytime that I can be in the middle of you two, you know, that I'm always <laughs> <laughs> well, we so enjoy your company. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go, I want to give a shout out to one of our executive producers, Amy Stashik Moore. I hope I said your name right. She became a patron of Home Slice Productions this month through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Home Slice Productions. For as little as $3 a month, you can also support the content that we are out here making. 
Thank you so much, Amy. You have no idea how much your support means to me. And episode three is going to be an Ask Us Anything episode. You can ask me and Joe anything you want about our polyamorous life, about something about us personally, or you can ask us questions about polyamory in general, or you can even write in with a sort of Dear Abby situation in your life that you want our honest, likely brutal opinions of. In order to do that, you can go to homesliceproductions.com and click on Remodeled. There's a form at the bottom which will allow you to submit your question anonymously. You don't even have to put in your email. You can also message us on Instagram at Homeslice Productions, on TikTok at Homeslice Productions, or you can email remodeledlove at gmail.com. Even if your email isn't anonymous, we still will not say your name. We promise to keep everything discreet. We want to thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing. You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. Love just a little, little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new.